father's son holy spirit amen praise god so we ended uh, chapter 19 with uh, with the you know the false prophet that is the beast and the false prophet thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur okay that was the previous chapter now we come to chapter 20 chapter 20 verse 1 is a thousand years then i saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain so i is john so john sees an angel coming down from heaven so angel is coming from heaven and the angel is holding in his hand what is he holding he is holding a key and that key is to the bottomless pit and he also has a great chain in his hand so similar scriptures we read in chapter 9 of the book of revelation in verse 1 and verse 11 and when you go back to chapter 9 read verse 1 and verse 11 it reveals the identity of this particular angel you know the identity of this angel is his name in hebrew is abaddon or in greek is apollyon this is a destroying angel if you read in the hebrew bible uh, the you know you won't get much in the english bible but in the hebrew bible if you see this particular name abaddon pops up many times in the bible uh, especially if you remember during the time of the passover god sent an angel to kill the first born of the egyptians god sent the angel he sent a destroying angel to kill the first born of the egyptians even when you know david wanted to you know count or do census of the number of people who were there in his kingdom which was against god's you know uh, direct command to him when uh, david did that at that point of time there was an angel standing with a drawn sword over israel ready to destroy israel you know so this angel abandon or you know what apollyon is the angel god sends many times to bring about destruction or judgment upon the wicked so that is this particular angel and verse 2 is he seized the dragon that ancient serpent who is the devil and satan and bound him for a thousand years he is that angel he is that angel and destroying angel or abaddon and what does this angel do he seizes the dragon that ancient serpent who is the devil and satan so four names for the same person the dragon the ancient serpent the ancient serpent you realize it's from the in a book of genesis the serpent who came and deceived eve and and then then deceived adam and how the entire story began and the same serpent he's the devil and he is satan so all four names for the same person so this angel is now seizing satan and he is bound him for a thousand years i will explain the meaning of bound and explain the meaning of thousands in the next coming verses and then what does he do verse 3 and he threw him into the pit and locked and sealed it over him so that he would deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were ended after that he must be left out for a little while so if you take verse 2 and 3 together you will see this angel is now taking this uh, satan he binds him and he you know is throwing him into a pit i just told you we ended chapter 19 with the destination of you know uh, the antichrist and the false prophet and that was into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur 
Now, this is not the place where this uh, Satan has been thrown. Though, uh, you know, later on we'll be reading that is where he will go. But right now his destination is the bottomless pit. He is being thrown into a bottomless pit. Bottomless means there is no bottom to it. That's why it's called a bottomless pit. And it is supposed to be in the center of the earth. The, because where there is no gravity. And so, which many people consider something very similar to hell, they say, a portion of hell or something. So that is a bottomless pit. And he is thrown there and he's bound him. Now, you know, there are many people who believe that you cannot bind uh, a spirit because it's a spirit, it doesn't have a body. You cannot bind. So this is, uh, how do you mean? So the, it is not actually binding. It may be, it is just a, a reference to it. The book of Jude chapter 1 verse 6 himself, itself says, you know, And the angels who did not keep their own position, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains, in deepest darkness, for the judgment of the great day. This is talk, talking about the angels who did not follow God. Jesus has kept them in chains, in the deepest of darkness, for the final judgment. So if for this many years, if Jesus could bind these, uh, you know, fallen angels and put them in this pit, I'm sure he can also bind Satan and put him into that pit with chains for a thousand years. He is God. Our, 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 uh, the mind that we have or the brain that we have or the wisdom that we have is so limited that we cannot think beyond certain things which we know is like, okay, it has to work that particular way. But for God, nothing is impossible. If you could bind so many, you know, angels and put them into a deep darkness or a pit, he can do the same to Satan. So Satan is bound and he's kept there. And why is he bound and kept there? The main answer to that is in verse 3, so that he would deceive the nations no more. So the main job or the main, uh, you know, what agenda of uh, Satan is deception. He doesn't have anything else. Just deceive the people of God, make them start thinking in a different way. That's all. And the people themselves land into destruction. And he started that from Genesis and he's still continuing till probably the world ends. So this thousand year period is a period where, you know, he would not be able to deceive the nations. He will have no authority where he would be able to have a deception of his, uh, you know, in, on earth. Because you see, if you believe the deception that has gone through those ages, you know, like, you know, people are atheists. They don't even believe there's a God. They say science is everything. Science has even proved God does not exist. We can create. They're making, you know, test your babies. Uh, there are people who think that the whole world was created by a big bang, you know, you know, a couple of molecules and nucleus and everything. Just there was a burst of atoms and, you know, the earth came into being. They don't believe in the creation of God. There are people, you know, he also believed that human beings, you know, have been refined, uh, you know, forms of apes. We were initially apes and from apes we have, you know, started walking on our hands and the hairs have fallen off and now we become humans. And there are so many people who believe that deception. This is called deception. And this deception was started by, you know, by Satan. And the whole world he has deceived. Now, all those who believe in all this kind of, you know, uh, false truths are going away from Christ. They're not believing in God. They're believing more in technology. They're believing more into science. They're believing more into everything that gets published, you know. 
you know, uh, everything which comes out uh, in the internet, in the social media, and everything, they're believing, but they're not believing in God. So the de deception has not stopped. So many people believe that the thousand years is now. But if you think, you just think, if the thousand years is now, then there would be no deception in the world now. We would be living the perfect life because Satan is not around to do anything wrong. We would be like, you know, practically no deception. So we'll all know the truth. And we, we, we will be like, you know, we just know about the creator. We know he's our God. And we would be worshiping him. We'd be praising him. And there would be peace on earth. But so this phase is, you know, you cannot say that we are going through the thousand year phase now. So it is, it has to come. And it, when it comes at that particular point of time, you know, the angel or Abaddon is going to bind the Satan and he's going to put him into the bottomless pit. And this thousand years, what do you mean by this thousand years? And if you count the word thousand, it stands for a millennium, you know, my, a millennium. So this thousand year period is also called as a millennial period. Now, whether literally it is thousand years or it's just a long period of time, you know, see, how many years do we live? 60, 70, 100, probably 102, 110, maybe the longest person will probably 130. So that's it. So, you know, you would have 10 uh, generations of people living. Is that it? Or maybe much more than that. 10 would be, yeah, 100 into 10 would be a thousand. So 10 generations, you know, maybe more than that of people living and no idea, no clue. You know, so many years. So God also says in the word that a day is like thousand and a thousand could be like a day. He has mentioned that in the Bible. So we do not know exactly. This is a debatable topic, whether it's exactly thousand it's exactly thousands of thousand and one is uh, you know a new phase so the thousand years is perfectly thousand years or it just means a very long period of years but there are many scriptures in the bible which you know uh, are quoted right from the old testament to the new testament actually around you know more than 400 verses in 20 different passages of the old testament and the new testament which talks about a period of time which i'll be just coming in the next verse where you know god or that is Jesus himself is going to reign on earth. You know, there are many scriptures in the Bible, you know. So I will just pick up a couple of them for you, both from Isaiah. One is Isaiah 2, verse 2 to 4, which is called the future house of God. The topic itself, you know, the, the, the point itself is calling about the future house of God. In that it says, in days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and he shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their sword into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Very simply put, very, very, very simply put, literally speaking, it says that this is a period when God is going to reign and the land is going to be at peace. There is going to be absolutely no war. And everybody who's living is drawn to this 
mountain where the Lord is. You know, everybody is drawn to this Jesus and there is going to be, you know, so much of a peace that there is no use for all those weapons of war that they actually turn these weapons. They will be turning, you know, these instruments of war, they will be converting them into instruments of plowing the field. You know, so they are not going into warfare, they are tilling the soil or tilling the ground. So this is talking about the reign of God here on earth. It very, very specifically says that, you know, God is going to reign and that period would be a very peaceful phase. Again, you know, I will take the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 5 and 6, where he says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Very clearly, this entire thing is talking about Jesus and his reign here on earth, and he is the one the righteous one, you know, you can read about it in, you know, the book of Luke also chapter 1 verse 32 to 33 is also talking about it. And there are numerous scriptures which talk about a period of time when, you know, Jesus is going to physically reign here on this earth. Now, Jesus is, you know, he's not constrained to the earth. He, they are, he is the God of the universe. So he's everywhere. But this particular time, he will be visibly seen here on this earth. Okay. So... Uh, the story, the you know, not story. Sorry, the the verses till now is about John seeing an angel who is you know uh, come down with the key to the bottomless pit. He seizes Satan. He's bound him, locked him into the bottomless pit, and there he has to stay for a thousand years so that he cannot deceive the nation. So I hope it's clear. Now we come to verse four. Then I saw thrones, and those seated on them were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now I saw thrones. Who is this I? It's talking about John. John is now seeing thrones and now this is a heavenly vision. Thrones are all in heaven. So he's seeing this heavenly vision. And he says that he sees a throne and there are, you know, people sitting on the throne. And who are those seated on them? It's most probably the 24 elders. And what is their job? They were given an authority to judge. So now you have this 24, the people seated on the thrones, probably 24, probably the 24 elders. And they are, uh, you know, they're sitting there to judge. Then now what uh, John sees next, he seals the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. Now, all the souls, you know, who had uh, been persecuted, who had become martyrs, the beheaded could also be, say, like, you know, they were, like, you know, executed. They were killed. You know, they were martyred for, you know, the sake of the gospel, for the name of Christ, who till the end never gave up on Christ, you know. So they, these are the people, the souls of which are seen there, and even continue to say that they had, uh, you know, uh, not worshipped the beast or its image. They had not received the mark on the forehead or on the hand. 
And these are the souls. It doesn't mean that you know the uh, if the people who had not uh, been executed, who died in probably normal deaths, uh, what about them? So is this only about the souls who were martyred or who were executed? Is the only those are going to come alive at that particular point of time? Cannot be hundred percent sure, but most probably, I think so. John is giving an emphasis here on the martyrs because of the role they played. You know, their blood was shed for the gospel. So he is giving them that importance that it is these souls. You know, giving them precedence over the other souls and saying that you know he sees all the souls. So I believe that everyone who believed in Jesus at that particular point of time are now. You know, they have come to life the soul has come to life and they will reign with Christ for a thousand year so this this period of time they're going to be reigning with Christ they will be in authority they will be in power they will be judging they will be executing judgment they will be like you know the good king with his uh, good kingdom of people and you know all are those souls all of the souls martyred souls all those who believed in Jesus they will be with Jesus and they will be a year of thousand years of peace that there is no war, even they say even the animals will be sitting with the, you know, a lion with the baby and they will be sitting together and there will be so much of peace on this earth. And in brackets, verse 7, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. The bracket closes. This is the first resurrection. So what do you mean? You know, so the first time these people who, the souls which were, you know, resurrected and uh, they are now reigning with Christ. So what do you mean about the rest? The rest are the people who did not believe in uh, Jesus. They did not believe in the finished work of the Lord. They, they uh, uh, refused to believe. You know, may, maybe just not belief. It's maybe you can extend it because God gives everyone a chance to know him, to know his son, to know what Jesus did for each and every one of us on the cross. And probably, you know, they just completely said, no, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. I don't need a God. So these people... They are still dead. They are not coming to life in this, uh, you know, thousand year period. They are not going to come. So what this, uh, the first resurrection, the souls which came back to life, it's called as the first resurrection. So that is the first resurrection. The souls, the people who died, those were persecuted, those were martyred, they are brought to life. That is called as the first resurrection. But those who did not believe in Christ, they are still dead means to say they are dead, they are not come back to life, there is that period of thousand years. So the verse 6 says, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. You know, so he says, you know, you are blessed, you are holy, if you have been resurrected in the first resurrection. Why he says, because over these, the second death has no power. I'll come back to you, it's a little deep. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So, you know, the, John is saying that they are blessed who came up in the first resurrection. They probably died a horrible death. They were martyred, they were killed, they were butchered. They, you know, went through so much of agony. Their life here on earth was miserable. But they did it all for Christ. They died for Christ. And so now God has raised them up and they are first resurrected. And over these people... There is not going to be a second death. That means there has to be a first death. Very simple. If you have a second death, that means there is a first death. Now, what is this first death? 
going out from the scripture. Because that's a different teaching. I will probably have to take an entire uh, session on you know, what is the first death, what is the second death, what is the first resurrection, what is the second resurrection, because they are all there. The first death is our physical death here on earth. When we die, our physical death. Then there's the first resurrection. Our second death is, we'll be coming back to later on in the chapter, there is also a second resurrection, you know, that is a little later on. So these are four things. So our, the first, very simple, just remember, the first death is our physical death here on earth when, you know, our body and uh, body dies and the soul goes to heaven. And uh, the first resurrection is the soul is resurrected. The second death is when, you know, if there is no, what you call, you say, you, you're not saved, you are thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. That is the second death. But the second resurrection is what? Is not only the soul, but now the soul gets a body. So the soul gets a body and that is the second resurrection and those are going to live with Christ forever and ever. I think so, I made it extremely simple. I hope you could understand, you know, the first death is physical death when a body soul dies. The first resurrection is when the soul is resurrected. Then the second death is the final death, like nothing could be done. They are thrown into the hell of fire forever. The second resurrection is what? Second resurrection is when along with the soul, the soul gets a body. So get that body, it's a new body, a body which is covered with the righteousness of Christ. The best uh, that you could be while you were here on earth, the best spirit, that's a, that's a body getting the soul. So that is the second resurrection. Okay, so keep that in mind. And uh, he says, now these people who have had the first resurrection, what are they going to be do? They're going to be the priest of God. So when God is going to reign, his priests are going to be these souls and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So it's a simple. So these souls are going to be reigning with Christ on earth for a thousand years. It doesn't look metaphorical for me. It looks literal. Because, you know, when Jesus has said in the previous chapters about the battle, it was real. About Satan, it was real. About, about Armageddon, it was real. About the beast, it was real. It was the prophet, the false prophet, Antichrist, that was real. All that is real. So why would he say this as, uh, you know, um, a symbolic way? Why would it be a symbol and not literal? It's debatable, but most probably, it looks like a reign of Jesus here on earth, physically, for a thousand years, and those reigning with him are the souls who are martyred for Christ, and they will be his priest, and they will reign for a thousand years. And uh, to give one more, uh, you know, scripture, because every scripture you need to back up with another scripture which is come before in the Bible about resurrection, I would like to take you to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, where Je Jesus describes two resurrections. He says, do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. I will repeat again. Do not be astonished at this. For the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So there are two resurrections. One of the good and one of the evil. And they are separated by a thousand year period. They are separated by a 
thousand year period. You will get to know that when I come to the next verses in the chapter. So, you know, this, um, uh, what we have learned till now is about uh, the first resurrection and about the souls who are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. Now we come to verse seven. So now when the, this is talking about Satan's doom, when the thousand years are ended, we said there's a specific period of time, a long period of years. And when this ends, Satan will be released from his prison. So the keys will be open. So most probably the angel that abandoned or Apollyon will go and he will, he's going to unlock the, you know, unlock the key and he's going to unbind him so that Satan could be released. And immediately what does Satan do? He will come out to deceive the nations. Imagine for a thousand years people lived in peace. People lived believing that, you know, Jesus is the only true God, that there is no other God and everything was in harmony. The environment, the people, the nature, everything worked together, animals, plants, everything was in harmony. And this little time that the Satan has given, you know, I have no clue why God gave that to him, but everything happens for a reason. We can understand only so much. And hopefully at the end of times when we are there with God, probably the entire picture becomes clear. Like always said, we are, it's like bits and pieces of a puzzle. We can understand only so much. And, you know, so hopefully when, you know, we cross over to the other side, the entire picture cross over to the other side means when we leave this earthly life and go into the heavenly kingdom, the entire picture will become clear for us. But now we are still looking at it like puzzles. So no clue why Satan is released, but Satan is released. And in the little time that he's given now a kingdom which was in peace, he's gone and, you know, sowed deception. That is his job. So Satan come and he is now deceived the nations and uh, he deceives them at the four corners of the earth, means the entire nation, the entire earth or the world as we know it, he's going to deceive. And uh, Gog and Magog, in order to gather them for battle, they are as numerous as the sands of the sea. So now what, uh, a thousand years up, Satan is released and he spreads his deception on the world. And then uh, he deceives the entire nation. It's not, it's not a particular part, but the whole world is uh, uh, involved. And very specific mention is made about Gag, Gog and Magog. You know, These are the prophetic enemies of Israel. Gog and Magog are the prophetic enemies of Israel and they are mentioned only once more in the Bible. Apart from this book of Revelation, you can read about them in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, you know. And that time there was this battle. And in that battle, like, you know, the, these, uh, the Gog is the king and the Magog is the land. And so the entire uh, army is prepared to come against Israel and, you know, to fight against Israel and how um, God destroys this entire battle, like fire falls down from heaven, consumes all of them. So uh, John is using a symbol, uh, not symbol, he is uh, allegory, what he would say, uh, you know, to explain an uh, event which happened, you know, much before even Christ came into the world. And that is something, you know, which is happening now, so, but the proportion is that I mean, it was only Israel and now it is the entire nation. So why that Gog and Magog, you know, concept is used? You go back to read uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, you will understand about the battle that took place over there. So the, a similar battle in much larger proportion is now going to happen here on earth because uh, Satan is just preparing for this great battle. And the, the number of people who are there are as numerous, like it's like sands. Like, you know, in a little while, he's been able to deceive the nation. Can you beat it? Thousand years with Christ and still people can get deceived. It's so, you know, it's something we can't even understand. 
but that's how human nature is, how human, human uh, frailty is, how how weak we are. We it's so easy to fall into the wrong things again. You know, in spite of knowing the truth, how easy for us to go back to doing evil. Okay, so now verse nine. They marched up over the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So all these people that the, the devil has been able to gather together for, to battle against God, who is physically present on earth, and these people have all come there for a battle. They're all there. It's numerous. Like They just spread out like... It looks like sand. If you look from top, you can't even, only the heads, it looks like a huge place of sand. Like there's so many of them from all the length and breadth of the whole country. They have come over there. And even before the battle begins, it's finished. It's finished because what does God do? He sends fire from heaven and he consumes them all. That's it, over, finished, done with no shedding of blood or anything. The fire comes down, destroys devil and his entire army. And this is similar what happened to, you know, Gog and Magog. That's why that particular name is mentioned in uh, the scripture over here. So it's a similarity over there. And now the battle is done. Now devil is done with. Verse 10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So now the battle is finished, it's all over, finished, done with. No more battles anymore. The devil has been completely defeated and now devil is taken. He was in the bottomless pit. When we started, where did the angel throw him? Into the bottomless pit. Now he's taken, he's come to the earth and now he's not thrown back into the bottomless pit. Where does he go now? His destination changes. Now he is going to where? He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. And who is already there? We read that in chapter 19, who's already there? The Antichrist and the false prophet are already there. And they have been there. It's mentioned very specifically. Where the beast and the false prophet were. So during this entire period of thousand years, that is where the beast and the you know, false prophet were. That means, see, it's not like some people say, okay, hell is like a place where, you know, probably people go, they burnt and that is done with. It's not over. It's not like that. I know that's a long, uh, what do you call a wrong uh, teaching, which uh, many churches are teaching that, you know, you know, you know people say about hell, it's not like that. Like, it doesn't go on forever and ever because there is fire and probably, you know, they just get burnt and that will be the end of the story. No, it doesn't end. They get burnt, again, their bodies reformed. Again, they'll get burnt, again, they reform. Like the torture never ends. And never ends means it's not a day, it's not a week, it's not a month, it's not a year, it's for eternity. That's why the word is you know, very specifically says that they, are, they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. I mean, there's no end to that torment. There's no end to that torment and now devil is thrown into the place. Already the judgment had fallen onto Antichrist and the prophet. They were thrown into the light, into the lake of fire which was burning with sulfur. Now the devil's also place now has gone to that particular place. Now he also reaches the same place which is hell or the lake of fire. Then we come to verse uh, 11, the dead are judged. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it, the earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. Then I saw as John sees a great white throne. So great means what? Great stands for status, for power and for authority. White stands for purity and holiness and throne stands for uh, kingly uh, is a king and uh, completely sovereign. 
So uh, greater status power authority, white stands for purity and holiness, and throne it stands for king and he is completely sovereign. And who is sitting on it? This is Jesus who is sitting on it. And the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found from them. The heaven fled from his presence means like it is all open up now. There's no place to hide. You can't even hide in heaven. There's no place on earth that people could hide or anyone could hide for that matter. So everything is exposed. There is uh, uh, to say that now is a time which is like the entire world or the heavens and the earth. The three portions of the heavens, the earth, under the earth, the sea and everything is just exposed and no one can escape anywhere. And then, uh, you know, uh, John sees verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Also, another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works as recorded in the books. Now you see, now John sees the dead. Now he sees the dead. They are great and small, great and small. Could be they could be kings or they could be just a, a very simple, uh, simple uh, you know, person who is working in the field. Anyone, big, small, anyone. And they were all standing before the throne. The significance of the word standing before the throne is means they have not come for a trial. This is not the time where you can come and say, okay, you know, you like when you go to the court and you have a case, so there is a period of trial. But when they are standing there, it signifies that this is the time of sentencing, where the judgment would be passed. You understanding the judgment would be passed. So they are all waiting. They already know they are condemned. Now they are waiting for the judgment. And now books were opened. Read there are different kind of books. One is books, you know, so many books were opened. And also the book of life was opened. So book of life is different. And these books which are being opened are different. They are absolutely two different set of books. And the dead, now those are dead who are standing there, are judged according to their works as recorded in the books. Now this means that these people who are you know, dead are uh, you know, going to be condemned, are now going to be judged according to what has been written about them in that book. Means their names are not in the book of life. Their names are not in the book of life. Only whose name is in the book of life is saved. Now, if your name is not in the book of life, it's in the set of other books. And what's there in that? It's everything that a person has been doing, his deeds, good, bad, evil, ugly, whatever the person has done through his entire life. He stands condemned because he's already rejected Christ. The level of punishment would be different for different person. So that time, even those who are condemned would be given different punishment. So according to how they lived here on this earth, their punishment would be pronounced at that particular point of time. I hope you understood. And verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and hates gave up the dead that were in them and always judged according to what they had done. You know, what do you mean by sea gave up the dead? Means there are, you know, it's a place of unburied bodies. There are so many, uh, you know, cases of shipwrecks. There are times when people's bodies are just thrown into the sea. They didn't find a burial place or whatever reason. Means even the dead, those who are buried in the sea, like you would see, like, you know, which would never surface again. 
which you have no knowledge about, you have no clue about. Even the sea will throw the dead, those dead bodies up, means everything is exposed out. You know, you might have died some millions of years before, but the person would have died, but even that, and he died in sea, even that person has to come and stand in front of his maker and would be judged. If he's written in the book of life, it is the second resurrection. If it's not written, it is the second death. You know, you understanding? It's a book of life, and there is a book of the works. Okay, so uh, even death and Hades were thrown, sorry, before that, death and Hades also gave up the dead that were in them. So this death, you know, what you mean is called, is the result of sin. Death is a result of sin. So it's, uh, it's gone. No, now it's also thrown there. And Hades is a result of death. So that's also gone. So the last, uh, you know, what do you say, the remnant of sin, uh, uh, whatever was on this earth now, the last, uh, you know, already devil has gone into the lake of fire. Now, uh, what he cast, he cast death. Now that also goes into the lake of fire. And even the place where the people would be buried, that also goes into the lake of fire. So all these things are thrown off into the lake of fire if they are not, their name is not written in the book of life. So that is written in verse 14. The death and hates were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire, and anyone whose name was not written, of, uh, was not found written in the book of life, was thrown in the lake of fire. Now, what do you, the Bible has got, you know, um, different places uh, uh, in uh, different languages about what do you mean by about the, um, you know, whether people, uh, ungodly people go to after the death. They are Sheol, they are Hades, and they are Gehenna. Sheol is a Hebrew, you know, it means a place of dead, or sometimes they say very specifically it's a grave. Now, the Hades is also a Greek word, which is very similar to Sheol. Now, Gehenna is a place which is, you know, uh, the Greek word meaning lake of fire, which is prepared for devil and his angels. And man will go into this only if he willfully rejects God's salvation. So this uh, second death that I spoke about is that this, as there is a first death, there is a second death, there is a first life, there is a first resurrection. After the second life, when there is a person resurrects uh, the second time, there is no more death. You are going to live forever with Christ. And after the second death, there is going to be no more life. It is over. It's finished. Judgment has been given. Name has not been found in the book of life. Now they have to go in for eternal damnation. I hope you understand uh, this. It is. I know there are, are uh, things that I have spoken about uh, which may look simple to you right now, but it is not simple because there are you know Christian scholars who have done research about this. There are many different theories about this. There are many different uh, you know uh, ways of uh, looking at it. Uh, you know, different viewpoints, but um, it was a struggle trying to understand this. But then I just sat down with the Holy Spirit and asked him to make it so very simple so that I could understand. And I said, Lord, if I could understand, probably it'll be easy for me to make, teach it and make others understand. You know, so there is a definite place uh, that we go to when we believe in Christ. And there is also a very definite place that we can go to if we reject Christ. So make the right decision in your life. And if uh, you have uh, any doubts of Jesus being your Lord God and Savior, you don't need to do anything big. You don't have to say any big prayers or you, know, you don't, don't have to go to any you know, big congregation or go to a charismatic meeting or do anything. I just need to just sit and say, Lord, speak to me. 
And as Jesus, you know, finds people, he found Nathaniel standing under a fig tree. He found Mary Magdalene lost and, you know, uh, you know, completely broken, demons. He found the Samaritan woman standing there alone in the uh, in the field, you know, in the, near the Jacob's well, drawing water. He went to the uh, leper who was in, uh, in the, sitting in the, by the pool of Bethsaida looking for, you know, where, where the pool will get churned up and he could jump in and be healed. He went searching. He will come searching for you too. The thing is, do you want to give your life to Christ? Just think about it. Shall we end with a prayer? Abba Father, we thank you for this time, for uh, teaching your word of the book of Revelation chapter 20. And thank you that you have... Uh, spoken to your people, O oh Master, and you have kept it simple. I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that all of us and everyone who is listening to this teaching are all saved. Over them, the death is, second death is not going to have a rule, but they are all going to be resurrected in the soul, and they will be given a new body in the second resurrection, and they shall be with you in the new heaven and the new earth, which we'll be learning in the next few chapters. Thank you, God, for all that you have done. Every glory, every honor, and every praise belongs only to you. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.